Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's another episode of Keeping It at 94 as a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Brian, he's out in Ireland. He's out in Spain. He's having a good old time across the seas. So in his place, we have a very special guest on Keep It in 94. It's a good friend of mine, somebody who has had uh, numerous experiences at different NBA events, shenanigans afoot, of course, but also somebody that knows his stuff. Derek Pinkus, Bleacher Report, Sports Business Classroom, somebody that knows numbers more than anybody else in this world. <laughs> What's going on, brother? Hey, thanks for having me on. Happy to do it. Good to hear your voice. Oh, I'm, that's great. I'm, thanks for saying that because, you know, no one can hear that enough that you can't hear your <laughs> voice enough, right? Come on. Spin, Pincus, Adventures, Vegas, All-Star. They never get old. They never get old at all. No, but, I, I look forward to what's coming. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> um, but the, the reason I'm having you on here, though, man, is, is honestly for you to tell the world about uh, the sports business classroom. Uh, one question I get all the time, you know, is how can I break into working into basketball? What are the best ways to, you know, better my understanding of the league? And honestly, the things that you and Alex and Larry Kuhn have taught me, all encompassing. And you guys are big time with the sports business classroom. And uh, there's a whole business of basketball immersive experience that everybody should honestly, you know, try to hit up. <laughs> Well, it's a great program. Uh, it's July 10th through 15th in Las Vegas, actually at Summer League. So you're in the building, you're in the gym with all the uh, executives, uh, scouts, um, just everybody's there. And uh, we've got great, great um, content. I mean, really, the core is trying to help people get positions and success in jobs in the real world, in the MBA world. And we've had great success. I mean, we have two students who are general managers of G League teams. Uh, we have people with like the Nets, with the Celtics, uh, with the Clippers, uh, people have been with the Lakers. It, it's really across the board. <clears throat> and we love paying it forward. I mean, this is honestly my favorite time of year. But we have three different I guess majors is the best way to put it. One, of course, is, you know, naturally my favorite is the salary cap. Uh, but you're, you're being taught by uh, Larry Kuhn, who's the godfather of, of teaching the salary cap and myself. <laughs> and then scouting video analytics uh, with guys like, well, Dave DeFore, who's a former student, Dan Purcell, uh, who was with the Pelicans and a whole bunch of other great people. And then uh, you're also learning from Seth Partnell, uh, Partnow in that group as well. And he's, you know, analytics uh, savant. Just a really fascinating guy, and media broadcast is is run by Bo Estes, who's just a he's like the voice of uh, top ten plays of the week, all that kind of stuff. It's great. So uh, I'm I, sending this you, to Bo. <laughs> if you have questions, like if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't, I, I need to know a little bit more, like how it would apply to me in my situation, just reach out. Um, I'm on Twitter at Eric Pincus, E R I C P I N C U S, uh, or just email me. I mean, it's easy to find. Just Google me. It's really easy to to get a hold of me. And um, I've done like, you know, like a Zoom with somebody or, or like a phone call to just kind of go over like what it's about and, and what it would do for, for uh, you know, your goals, your individual goals as far as finding a job. And we, we really do our best to, to help people. And we, we just have so much fun doing it. So looking forward to it. 
That's awesome, man. And like you said, it's from July 10th to 15 in Vegas. Uh, literally, honestly, like a month away. So uh, definitely get to those signups if you're interested in figuring out what you want to do and breaking into the basketball. And if you want to end up being in a front office or having some sort of specialty uh, work that you want to get into, uh, this is definitely the place for you to go. Sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Space is limited, so make sure you sign up. And there's a discount code if you get front office, F-R-O-N-T-O-F-F-I-C-E, all in caps. You can get 300 bucks off, uh, 300 bucks off at sportsbusinessclassroom.com. So make sure if you're interested to sign up there and you'll learn the best of the best uh, from the best of the best as well. So um, I, I tell you, man, Alex has told me so many stories about the fake trades that he's made and like just <laughs> kind of like the mock drafts they've done, the mock off seasons they've had with actual GMs too. So like that, that's always intrigued me that like that there's like past GMs that'll come in. There's past executives that'll come in like not only just like from the cap situation, but actually being able to work hands on with them. It, seems, it just sounds so, so freaking cool, honestly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, space is limited is like a thing you hear, but like we had a meeting, uh, we have weekly meetings just prepping and uh, our numbers are like, we want to cap it because like, we don't want to have it be some like thousand people in a room where you're just listening to lectures. Like it's, it's interactive, hands on. And we do have like my baby in this whole thing is our mock trade deadline, which we've expanded it so much. It's like a, it's like a four day process or five day process now where it's like you meet with your, you, you get assigned to teams, you meet with your teams, and then you have to do your own internal homework. And we sort of allow a little like unofficial tampering between teams beforehand. Don't tell the students I, that I allow that, you know, but you know, it happens. We're, 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 yeah, we're we're doing what the NBA does, <laughs> taking a blind eye as long as it doesn't come out in like the media. You know what I mean? And and then <laughs> um, we have a midterm where you have to present uh, what you've done, where you're going, how, what your analysis is of your own situation uh, to to uh, us judge type people. And um, we we're not going to hold back in the in in the criticism, but obviously constructively because I I want everybody to kill the final you know what i mean like it, i'd rather you hear the truth in in the midterm if you haven't thought this through we're gonna get on you and then ultimately it goes to a like a a, a trade deadline where you're actively trying to better your team and, and competing with with other teams and then what we didn't use you know what's relatively new which we sort of developed in the you know doing this virtually through the pandemic um through some virtual programs was we ha our, our students prepare presentations and we're we're like blown away by what gets done like powerpoints and speakers come up and and explain you know why they did what they did and, and really try to sell the judges on it um and to be honest like the team that won the the last one last um i guess it was august instead of july uh like we could debate if they had the absolute best basketball it was so close but their presentation was so good that it just put it over the top. So, I mean, we, you can definitely argue their basketball merits as the best, but there were some other ones really close, but they were just so good at their presentation that it, 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 it it's so much fun. And you keep in touch with, I, I keep in touch with so many students and, and I have um, like, I have a whole bunch of projects that I, I send them a little bit of money to help me with just uh, research and whatnot. And it's just a joy. And I, the goal is to get people jobs and, and that we have success is one of my one of my favorite things uh, to see happen. I mean, we get some really great students. We don't just let any rando in. You got to actually apply and you got to like, you know, write a cover letter and, and show like that you want to be there and that this isn't, you're not just coming to do fantasy camp. Like this is serious. We put you through the ringer as far as uh, the, the amount of time and effort and information that we put through and people we hook you up with to network. Uh, it, it is no joke. And the guest speakers too. I mean, Alex and and the Kaias came in last year. From what I understand, you guys always have these awesome guests too. So, but yes, it, it's it's crazy, man. That's I mean, that's literally a, a month away. And summer league is it's, somehow it's a month away. But um, again, sportsbusinessclassroom.com, definitely go sign up. But I wanted to to ask you. you you've been you know covering the finals, uh, the series right now, three two in favor of the Warriors, going back to Boston on Thursday, but. Uh, this has been a, a pretty interesting series as far as like execution goes, but I, I've, I've really enjoyed just watching these teams defending each other. 
Uh, what have your, your main takeaways been from this series so far? And uh, I'm sure that we'll get into specifics, but I definitely want to hit on Andrew Wiggins because that's like the main topic of all of this so far. Well, uh, I, I've had the fortune uh, of going to the three home games in, uh, in o- well, not Oakland anymore, San Francisco. Uh, and so, uh, you know, seeing it in person is great. Uh, this is really at, at its heart, a defensive battle. And, and that, that's always the case. Not always, but it should always be the case. It almost always is in the playoffs. The deeper you go, uh, the other team is going to exploit your weakness. And of course it all goes hand in hand. Like if you don't have the offense to exploit the defense, then it doesn't matter. Right. But, um, both teams are really powerful offensively. Uh, I thought that, uh, well, I'll just say game four, one through four went exactly how I predicted. I, I was 4-0, really patting myself on the back. You know, like I said, <laughs> Self uh, oh yeah, for sure. And like, I, I was very confident. I told everyone who would listen that it's going to be tied up, uh, that we'll get two splits. Uh, I had the, I just, I don't know. I had good fortune until that last game. Uh, and then I actually had the Celtics winning game, uh, game five, but the Warriors obviously did. So, um, and I don't mind being wrong. I mean, I'll, I'll stick by my prediction. I have Boston in six. Uh, and if it ends up being uh, Boston in six, then wow, that that's kind of crazy because that's impossible now. But impossible. Um, <laughs> yes, but like the number of games isn't really like that's a cherry on top. If I get the number, of, it really it's about picking the victor. And uh, that last game kind of, well, I'll put it this way. When, when I picked the Raptors to beat the Warriors a couple of years back, and a lot of people are like, oh, you're nuts and da 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 da. Um, but I looked at it and I was really confident in that prediction. Uh, and I don't gamble, but if I were to gamble, and I've said this before uh, on a on a show that like, if I were to bet a thousand in my con- uh, on my confidence on the Raptors over uh, Warriors, you know, when they when the Raptors won, I would probably probably be betting like a hundred dollars on this one. In other words, my prediction is less confident because I think these teams are closer to each other. I felt like that was more of a, a situational mismatch with injuries, et cetera, uh, with Toronto. But this one is, these teams are so close and they're so good. And you're only going to get so much of like a Steph blowing up like that. Uh, and, and he's certainly capable. Uh, and obviously game six is coming. So now you have to look at clay because he's Mr. Game six. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm fascinated to see what happens. I would love a game seven. I get to fly back up, watch that, uh, that winner take all game. Uh, but the defense has been great uh, for the most part. Like uh, I felt like the Celtics overcorrected a bit where Steph did what he did to win the, you know, the win the game four. So I felt like they decided as a team, the Celtics that they were not going to get beat by Steph. They were going to make sure he wasn't the guy. And if, if Wiggins beats us, then so be it. Except Wiggins goes off for like, 20, was it 26, something like that? It was yeah, crazy. Yeah, 26 and 13. Yeah. And then, you, yeah. I mean, you had Draymond have the bounce back game as well. You, right. You, you had a lot of, you know, contributing factors. Even Jordan Poole, who hit his second buzzer beater of, right. the, of the series on that ridiculous uh, three, three-point launch. Like, so there, there's obviously a lot of factors. I'm also looking as well executed as we're talking about when these teams are locked in. There's been a lot of turnovers too. And when I think about the turnovers, I'm looking at Jalen Brown being indecisive, and that's been kind of an Achilles heel he's had. Um, mm. I mean, and it's not just Jalen, too. It's Jason Tatum as well. Sure. And sometimes Marcus Smart will have some 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 bad passes. And you can say the same thing for Golden State. I mean, shoot, look at, you know, the, the, the way that they lose is they beat themselves most of the time. Now, the Celtics are one of the few teams that are able to beat them straight up, but they're both turnover prone squads, even though they're so well disciplined and they're so good at executing in the half court. But I feel like that's pretty, pretty much been the, the tone of the series is whoever turning the ball over and you know, this flurry happens, whether it's in a third quarter, whether it's in the fourth quarter that the team that's forcing those turnovers and taking advantage of that is the one that's going to win that particular game. Right. Well, you're right. I mean, both teams are turnover prone. They're they're the the Celtics don't really have um, an elite ball handler uh, at all. Like Marcus Smart is a point guard, but you know he's really not a true point guard. Uh, he's not like a wizard with the handle. He's not like a Steph or a a Kyrie as far as just like you know ball handling and and uh, you're scoring through 
two wings. It's not dissimilar to uh, the Clippers and how they try to win, obviously when healthy with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And they've found at times that it's been difficult uh, with turnovers or getting uh, Reggie Jackson has certainly uh, come up, but they've struggled at, at that point guard position where those easy shots for those wings aren't as easy when you don't have someone really setting the table. Uh, and on the Warriors side, they're just, they play so fast and loose uh, and they're, they've always been turnover prone and they've been generally speaking weak at rebounding over their entire run. Turnovers and rebounding have been their biggest flaws. Uh, but you, you talked about Jalen Brown for a second. And to me, in what I'm seeing, the, the Warriors want Jalen Brown to be the primary decision maker on this team, right? That's what their defense is allowing. That's what their defense is pushing for. Uh, in game one, they're like, we're not going to let Jason Tatum beat us. We want Jalen Brown to beat us. And uh, Tatum still beat them with the pass. Uh, but I don't think that Brown has that same court vision or handle uh, so you're seeing a lot of drives from Jalen Brown, uh, but they're drives into helping defense. And then he struggles to f- hit, make that perfect pass to the shooter. Whereas I think Tatum has more of that ability, but they're, they're not giving it They're Just like the, the Celtics were able to take Steph out some and let other people have more freedom. I think that's really been the goal of, of the, of the warriors is to clamp down uh, on Jason Tatum and, and saying, let's let, not that we'll get beat, but let's let Jalen Brown beat us if we get beat. And I, I'm looking at the Celtics and I look at their depth and where I thought they had a little more depth. I mean, they're playing basically seven players, eight players. I mean, Peyton Pritchard, but they don't really have a ton of depth beyond, um, you know, Derek White and, and uh, Grant Williams. And, and the thing with White is that he had that one explosive game, but like he couldn't buy a bucket the last one. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, I was really confident in Toronto. I'm, I'm less confident in this pick because I think these teams are, are really close. Yeah, no, I, I thought that it was going to be like the war, the defenses match up so well. Cause I mean, a lot of people don't, don't even give credit to, to Golden State on the defensive end and they're just tremendous when they're locked in. Um, but it was the offense for me. I was like, can the Celtics have the same amount of production consistently to keep up with? Everybody that's, you know, able to throw at you on on the Warriors. But to this point, or at least until game five, it had been Steph and the rest. And that was something that we're not used to seeing. We're used to seeing Clay go off for 25 to 30. We're used to seeing Jordan Poole pour in about 20 a night or so. Um, you know, they've got Wiggins who can chip in anywhere from 15 to 25. So, like, they've always had those guys. But the Celtics offensively go with Jalen and Jason, but we had seen Al Horford take that huge step up as the veteran in the playoffs and have huge series against the Nets and the Bucks, whatever it had to be. Uh, big time games. Uh, Grant Williams was a revelation. He seems like he's just kind of this. I don't want to say disappeared because that's disrespectful, but like he's just not had the same offensive impact as he's had. Uh, over the last, you know, three series in the postseason. And then, you know, then you're looking at, okay, we got to get this out of Marcus Smart. We got to get this out of out of Robert Williams, who, by the way, has been awesome, uh, even though he's playing through this injury, just tremendous on the glass, um, you know, blocking shots, finishing lobs, what, what have you. And Marcus Smart's getting into the paint and using his big burly frame and trying to, you know, take it into the teeth of the defense. But are you going to get that consistently outside of those other two? And the problem with this strategy is for Boston is that Tatum's admitting that, you know, they're starting to run out of gas. They obviously have no choice but to fight. But if he's not scoring at the level that he had been scoring at, obviously the playmaking's huge and that helps his teammates get along and it's helped them win. But on the final stage against this team, Tatum's, got to get it going more efficiently and he's got to be more aggressive as a scorer even though the playmaking has been great right but I mean again like the Warriors like I've talked to some players through the years going up against their playoff defense the Warriors can take someone out just anyone can I mean any team can take any good playoff team that has the defensive pieces can load up I mean they're they were sending traps and doubles just to make sure they were doing practically box and one with with uh, Tatum, I mean, in the first game especially, like they're they, I think they believe the the Warriors that 
Tatum being free is what unlocks guys like Grant Williams and and other players on the team, Horford yes. and whatnot. Yes. Whereas Jalen Brown doesn't do the same because he doesn't have the same playmaking skills. Doesn't ha- his head goes down? He goes to the basket. He gets tight. You know, there's two three defenders there. He drives and, and, without a plan. Like he gets into there, he'll he'll literally go into the air and then he'll make a decision while he's in the right. air, and that's well, living mean, dangerously against this team. A hundred percent. But that's that's their game. Like that's yeah, they're dictating. That's what because he's getting the ball with no defender in his range. He can completely get into the mid range from the three. He gets the ball in the three area. Drives into the mid range, thinks he's going to have that kind of a- access to the basket, whatever layup, dunk, uh, something that he could score off of. But that help is so good, uh, and the the Warriors are set up in such a way that you know, they're cutting off the angles to where they th- there's no angle to get the ball to Tatum, yeah. uh, and the shooters aren't reliable enough. And they're all it, if it's Tatum, it it just seems like it flows for the Celtics. And if it's I'm and I'm not criticizing, they're different players and they need each other. And, and I think some of the flaws are is that uh, you know there is Peyton Pritchard is too inexperienced uh, and may not be the answer as far as like a primary ball handler. They could, and then same can be said for Derek White, where like yeah, in the yeah that one huge game, but he's really not a point guard either. He's really similar-ish to Marcus Smart, where they're combo guards who can do what you need at the point a bit, but there's a limit. There's a there's a cap. Uh, and both of them are not great, great scorers. They can score, but they're, that's not really... The, they can get you 20 if they need to. They make maybe. it up for it on the defensive end, for right. sure. Like, that's now, that's why they're on the floor. Right. And, and so, you know, it, it's... I try not to overreact game to game. Uh, obviously, we had, what, we had two wins in a row for the Celtics. I mean, for the Warriors. So now you start to see a pattern and you say, okay, maybe they're, they found something here. But e- even in the game that the Celtics won, it was really Steph going off in the fourth. That was pretty incredible. Didn't feel necessarily like uh, there was a, a big change in, in the matchup other than Steph is going to go crazy. Now, now you just have to worry if you're a Boston fan, you know, what does Clay do? Because Clay is not the same Clay that he used to be. He's not as mobile defensively. Uh, he can't. He can still hit those mid-range shots really well. Um, when he gets in the mid-range, I'm really confident he's going to hit something. But even the threes aren't there, except yeah. when they are. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, when he's on and he gets hot, it, there are glimpses of what he was. And he's he can show he can defend in in brief minutes at a high level, but I don't think he can move like he used to. So you know, like the Celtics are bigger across the board. Uh, they're more physical. They're you know, they're tough. They're, I don't want to just say, oh, like the Warriors have this because I still have the prediction uh, that the Celtics can be their best offensive and def- defensive lineups at the same time. Whereas the Warriors have to jumble their rotations to you know pool there for offense, uh, Peyton for defense, and mm-hmm. and you know can can the the Warriors get enough offense with the best defensive lineups they have, which don't include pool. Uh, and then Draymond has moments where he's really effective and moments where he's not. So there's there's still a chance that um, the the issues that the Warriors have in this series are exploited. Uh, but as you mentioned with Jalen, may, you know maybe maybe Boston's just run out of gas here, and that that's what a championship team that kind of pedigree that the Celt- that the Warriors have uh, kind of shines through. And I get it. Like that that's that's the lack of hard to bet against a Curry. Or the Warriors and Kerr and what they've done because they have that track record and the Celtics team is is really special, but um, we don't know how special. And if they fall, then they fall. Uh, but it's been a pretty great run, and I've enjoyed the finals so far. Yeah, and and the Warriors can lay back on that experience, but somebody who can't is Andrew Wiggins. And you know, we briefly mentioned that he went out and scored twenty six and thirteen or whatever. But the game before that, the one where Steph went off with that forty three points, he ended up with seventeen points and 15 boards and this has been an overlying theme for Wiggins in the playoffs this year has been his impact on the boards it's ridiculous how many offensive rebounds and possessions he's keeping alive for this team to allow Steph to allow Clay to allow Jordan Poole to have these opportunities and it's not just that he's definitely getting confident off the bounce he's shooting pull-ups he's getting to the rim we obviously know the dude can dunk uh he's taking big time shots and having huge response shots that he's making. Um, it's all over the floor. And then you don't even talk about the defensive end, the job he's done on Jason Tatum, 
Uh, he had to assume the task of Luka Doncic, picking him up full court in the Western Conference Finals. Like, he's been really, really solid. And no, he's not the number one guy. And understandably, like, you know, a lot of people thought that that trade probably was like a little off because, you know, we know that D'Angelo Russell was really productive and whatnot. And, uh, but he, I think, has really shown how a fit, as, as cliche as that is, a team fit and a, a winning organization can help a player who might not have had that same success consistently. And you're starting to see Wiggins really just build upon these games. It's not just a flash in the pan. It's been like this for a good like month or so. Yeah, well, he reminds me not necessarily game, but in career path uh, to Lamar Odom. Uh, Lamar was not number one, but he was a very high lottery pick. And he was supposed to be the next, yeah, whatever, Magic Johnson or something. And it's hard to be the next anything. I mean, Wiggins was supposed to be the next LeBron, but come on. I mean, there, there, are, there is no next LeBron. There is no next Magic. There is no next you know, MJ or Kobe or whatever. Like these guys are what they are. They're once in uh, like a five generation player. Uh, that doesn't mean Wiggins is not good. It doesn't mean that he's a bust. It's just he is what he is. Minnesota, they didn't draft him, but basically got him through the draft. And that franchise, they made the playoffs a couple of times in the last, whatever, 10, 15 years, but they have not run a good program and they've recently been sold. And so, well, we're seeing maybe a different outcome and maybe their identity has shifted. Uh, and then he got to Golden State for D'Angelo. D'Angelo um, positionally didn't fit as well with a healthy clay, with pool coming up, uh, and obviously with Steph. Uh, and then he's not a great overall defender. Uh, he has a little bit more size. He's 6'5", but uh, like they, they, they needed a bigger wing in the worst way. And Wiggins is exactly that. He's, he's been great. He's a good team player. There are times where you feel like, well, if you could score 26, why aren't you doing it every night? And, and that's okay. Like With Lamar Odom, same thing. There was always this point of view like he should be doing more. Meanwhile, Odom was like an extremely valuable player for a multiple championship team. Uh, obviously, Kobe and, and Powell in that era were, were the, the bigger stars, but they don't win any of that without Lamar, who took on some of the biggest and toughest defensive assignments. And in his case, he was more of a complimentary playmaker and, and did scoring uh, as needed, but uh, in the case of Wiggins, he's been he's been great, and I'm happy for him. Uh, it, it it's easy to just decide what someone is and stick with it, and not be open to that they could be more than that. And so it's nice to see his success. And I, I don't think the Warriors are anywhere close to winning the series without him. Yeah, and you have honestly, you have no, you have to have someone to go to if your main guys are getting double teams, triple teams, sending, you know, traps, whatever it may be. You have to have somebody that's able to do that stuff. And, you know, we saw that earlier in the season too. Like, uh, I remember talking to Coach Kerr uh, when they were here in Cleveland and he was talking about how the the number one option versus what he's being asked to do on this team in particular um, is exactly what we're built for. So that stuff matters. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to do the copy-paste thing. They want to do the 2K trades. Um, you know, chemistry doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. Like it's all garbage. It absolutely matters. Um, and, and so does team fit. So, um, do, do you think, uh, by the way, that they're going to be able to say afford him, um, you know, say they do win a championship, they lose championship. However, they decide to, you know, to go forward. I mean, I know this is kind of a off the cuff question, but I mean, considering how well he's played in the finals and in the Western conference finals and most of the postseason. Um, there's going to be people probably asking, you know, is he going to get paid? Yeah, well, he's going to get paid. He's just he's got one more year after this, uh, so this next season, and he's uh, at about 34, a little bit under 34 million. So uh, the challenge for the Warriors is that they're a repeat tax offender. Uh, they have a very expensive roster. They're paying Steph. Uh, I mean, next year, uh, not this next season, the one that we're about to head into, but the one after, he's already above 50 million. <laughs> it's, you know, his last year is 55, 56 million. Oh, then he's got another year at 59. I mean, it's, Steph <laughs> is making real money, right? And then Clay, 
43, uh, 40 to 43, 41 to 43. You're talking about a lot of money. And then Draymond, uh, who they're going to have to decide on uh, relatively soon as well. Uh, he's got a player option about, he's got 26-ish this next year, and then it goes up to about 28, roughly, and at a player option. So the point is, is that can they do this? Of course. Can they pay all these guys? Of course. It's more of a question of will they and how and what can they compromise on. And they have to decide on Jordan Poole, who, to me, if I had to pick, I'd pick Gary Payton over Jordan Poole. But I get that a lot of people look at scoring over uh, defensive guys intensity can, and, and straight up like well, just guys, he, tough nose, hard nose guys <laughs> that are going to well, give guys, you everything they got. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there are only so many scorers on a team that are going to score every night uh, in the twenties or whatever. So you want uh, balance. Well, it's just how many players in this league can really impact the game without scoring. Yeah. Uh, and that's really hard to find. Those are the guys you want around your superstars. Uh, and I think Gary Payton's like the perfect example of that. Like he, if he scores five, 10 points, cool. Uh, he had a bigger game the other day, but, um, you know, when, I, when I looked at this series and I was like, if they can get, is a big part of my insecurity of my own pick is that if they can get uh, Peyton back at, at health, of course he had the injury, it, then then it's a different thing because you know I look at him as 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 really uh, a hugely valuable piece because of who the Celtics are because of their weak playmaking uh, and, and really just they don't have a lot of ball handlers and so if you're putting even on a really good ball handler, you put Gary Payton on them, it's just it's more work. You might get up the court. It might take two more seconds to get up the court to initiate the offense, and that every time you're you're maybe you're playing instead of a twenty four clock, you're basically playing a twenty twenty two clock. You know, it's just you don't have as much time to get into your offense. So uh, they have to figure out paying Peyton. Uh, Otto Porter's been really good. They have to figure out him, uh, and then Poole is extension eligible even before you get to these Wiggins kind of questions. So. Um, <laughs> If they want to pay and they want to pay the tax and pay three, four hundred million dollars a year, and if they can afford it, and other teams can't, then that's just that's just the way it is. You, the The system is designed to try to uh, legislate parity of of resources, uh, and maybe in the next CBA, which they're going to negotiate soon, there'll be harsher restrictions, perhaps, uh, to prevent teams from spending even further. But like the the Warriors are going to be paying so much in tax, and that money goes back to the teams that aren't in the tax, uh, for the most part. And so, um, you know, there there's no way to really stop spending, and I don't think that the players will ever accept a hard cap. So, uh, unless we want a lockout and a contentious uh, negotiation, I think ultimately the Warriors are going to be the Warriors, and as long as they have Steph and Clay, and they won't be around forever. Uh, you know, Clay's already. It's not what he was. And, you know, hopefully Steph will just as a basketball fan, not as a, I'm not a Warriors fan. I'm not a fan of any team specifically, yeah. but hopefully they'll be able to, to give us this entertainment and, and excel at the game for as long as possible. Yeah. For a few more years, at least. Do, do you think it would ever, this is probably a stupid question, but do you think it would ever come down to it? Okay. Uh, I, we don't want to play the, pay this much for Peter tax. It comes between clay and Wiggins. Is that ever a question that you've heard pop up? I mean, <laughs> So Clay has two more years, right after this. So, okay. uh, next year is he the same guy who's still shades of Clay, but not quite the same? Or does he and get then, back to form because of a right, season and, and then, whatnot? Yeah. So how much is he getting in twenty four, twenty five? Now there's a few other aspects. Uh, we'll have a new CBA. They can uh, that'll probably kick in around twenty twenty three, twenty four. So after this coming season, and then in theory we'll have a new TV deal for the NBA around 2025, but that, that agreement will probably come in 2024. So the Warriors will know a little bit more than we know right now when it comes to the structure of the league. Uh, it, are things more beneficial or more harmful for their situation? And then when a new TV deal kicks in, you know, do they just have to stomach losses for three, you know, three more years? Uh, I mean, not to say that they're losing money, but uh, as far as, uh, having such a bloated payroll, such a big uh, luxury tax hit. Are they willing to to absorb that knowing perhaps that in a few years we're going to be in a very different economic landscape? It's just information no one has, and I'm sure they have projections of what it might be. 
uh, and they 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 know their own budget. So uh, you know, they they've done really well getting guys like Porter Jr. for the minimum and Peyton, et cetera. But everyone's going to get more and more expensive. So uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they can how how easily they can keep it together. And will they have to make? They, they will certainly have to make some difficult decisions. I personally think they'll wait on the extension for Pool unless he's willing to come back at a really discount price, and I don't see why he would. So uh, I, I think that'll go to a restrictive free agency next summer. Let's pivot on over to the least favorite thing that I I, I, I absolutely as I've gotten more you know experienced and more of a veteran in this industry, the least favorite time for me has certainly become the offseason. <laughs> um, but you and Jake Fisher have been doing an awesome job at Bleacher, Bleacher Report, um, just throwing out these, these nuggets left and right um, about things. We obviously know you know the, the biggest thing that's out there. We've, we've got DeAndre Ayton and Rudy Gobert. Where are they going to end up? What's, you know, what's the situation with Donovan Mitchell? Um, draft night, believe it or not, is like a week away, a week and a day away as we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. It's just wild, and and it's crazy because you know we came in and thinking this was one of the you know quote unquote weaker um, free agency classes, but there are plenty of names that are out there. So I was just going to pose a question to you, and you just did an article um, on Monday. Jake did an article on Tuesday uh, about a lot of this. But is there something that you are um, not certain, but like really strongly feel about as far as player movement, as far as specific names? Um, changing teams. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's it's hard to say specifically. Like, is there one? Uh, I would say that uh, this is a summer where there's very little money to spend amongst teams. Uh, there are maybe four or five teams at most that will have salary cap space. So mm-hmm. this is not a typical summer. And and then corresponding with that, there aren't really a ton of free agents that are are worth a ton of money, right? So uh, the Pistons have some money. The Spurs uh, have some money, uh, probably the most. The Magic have some money. And then I'm not sure yet what the Indiana Pacers are going to do. They they could have some real money, but it may be better for them to stay over the cap. That we'll have to wait and see. I, I think they may be end, end up under. Uh, and then the Blazers could have a massive amount of space. But it looks to me, reading reading the tea leaves, that they're going to stay over, keep Josh Hart and Simons, and, and probably try to trade into uh, a, a better roster, or at least an attempt at a better roster. And I think that's really the heart of it is that with so many teams limited to about maybe 10 million in the, in the, in the tax, uh, the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, most teams aren't going to have more than that. Uh, and a, a series of teams, maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know, I'd have to count, but in the neighborhood of eight or nine or 10 may only have uh, the taxpayer mid-level exception depends on certain things like player options and who stays and who goes, et cetera. Uh, like does Russell Westbrook stay in with the Lakers on his player option? I'd assume yes. Uh, that was in my article that I, I at least teams are operating like Westbrook's going to be there to start the season. At least that's their opinion. Uh, then the Lakers only have about six point four million to spend, and you go through the list and you realize there's just not a lot of money to go around. So if a player wants to relocate. It's got to be through trade. And so I think the story of this particular summer is going to be the trade market more than the free agent market. And so uh, some of those might be sign-in trades. Those have become more common because teams otherwise don't have the means to get something done. So someone like DeAndre is a really interesting story. DeAndre Aiden, uh, you didn't draft Luka Doncic. You didn't draft Trey Young. You go to the finals with DeAndre Aiden playing a major role. This last year, uh, they fell apart in the playoffs. And if they want to put that on DeAndre and they want to not pay him, so be it. Uh, I ran some numbers a few years back and I was like, yeah, I don't see how they can keep Chris Paul and Bridges and Booker and Aiden while also staying under the luxury tax. And the Suns have been, so far, very adamant about staying under the tax. Yeah, not going over there. Yep. (laughs) So if they're not going to pay Aiden... What are they going to do? And then how are you going to replace him? And and if you just let him walk for nothing, that seems crazy to me. So you you probably want to work a sign-in trade. <clears throat> and then that opens the door <clears throat> to several teams that don't have the spending power, but the the teams that are over the tax can't take in a player. Uh, well, I mean, it, basically you have a hard cap. You have a, a, a limit to what you can spend. It's about $156 million, 155 in that range this coming year. 
So teams like the Warriors, they're they're not even in the conversation. You you can't sign and trade in and have the kind of payroll that they have. Uh, if Kyrie stays with Brooklyn, same issue. Uh, if Westbrook's with the Lakers, same issue. Uh, you go down the list, uh, the Nuggets. Um, I mean, Dallas, it depends on if they're keeping Brunson or not. Uh, the Clippers are over the tax. So there's a lot of teams, the Bucks, that aren't going to be able to make those kind of Aiton type moves uh, unless they're also dropping a ton of salary. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I think uh, they're, they're, you look at a team like the, the Pistons and they could certainly use a big, I, the Spurs could use a big if they're not convinced uh, that Pirtle is their, their guy for the future. Uh, but then, there are a lot of other teams that maybe they want to try to do a sign and trade. Uh, Jalen Brunson's an interesting example. Uh, if Dallas doesn't want to pay to keep him, which I've heard they're iffy on the, on the price that he might command. If, if he wants to go to the Knicks and they don't have the money, then you're going to see a sign and trade. So maybe he threatens, I'll go sign with the Pistons unless you sign and trade me to the Knicks. But then is there enough from the Knicks that would entice the Mavericks? Uh, you know, they draft considerations, young players, et cetera, but you also have to match salaries. So, Looking forward to it. I know this isn't your favorite time of year, but really this is the most, uh, this is like the fundamental part of what I do. Uh, it is. Uh, is, <laughs> is keep track of what teams can spend, keep track of, of how uh, moves can be made to free up that flexibility. Uh, I'm less of a draft expert as far as like, I don't scout out um, like college basketball. Uh, I know enough to talk about the prospects, but not enough to say like, you know, I've seen them play a bunch. Uh, um, most of what I, most of my draft intel is just uh, talking to other executives or agents or people in the NBA world who say, "Yeah, this is what I'm hearing that this 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 team really likes this guy or this guy's you know this draft is okay. It's not great. Uh, there are three guys at the top of this draft in theory uh, with uh, Holmgren and Jabari Smith, not in order, and and uh, Ben Ch- Ben Chero, Ben Chero, yep. mm-hmm. um, but. You know, there are guys like Jaden Ivey and Keegan Murray. Um, but one of the things I wrote about as well uh, is that uh, because it's not like this overwhelming draft where you know, this lot, like last year was a tremendous class. This is a good class, but it's not quite as good. And so there are a lot of lottery picks I'm hearing that might be available, maybe even half. Uh, we've already seen a trade. Well, it's, it's not official yet, but the Thunder are getting number 30 uh, or rather they're giving up number 30 to the Nuggets. Uh, in a Jamichael Green uh, for a f- with a future future considerations going to the twenty twenty seven, I think it was right. Yeah, um, we could see those kind of moves, um, but we could see players like Jeremy Grant go to maybe to Portland for their pick. Uh, that's that's a buzzy kind of item, and um, Chicago Bulls might be looking to make some moves. You know, I, I wrote a lot about the big men who might be on the move. Rudy Gobert, you mentioned. Uh, I think Donovan Mitchell's sticking. I think they need him uh, as like a, a more marketable celebrity between the two, like a marketable star. And they have the All-Star game in Utah next year. So I think uh, uh, they're probably going to keep Mitchell. And if that's the case, it does seem like those two need to be split up. Uh, I think uh, you know, maybe if, if they can salvage it, they'll salvage it. But uh, it seems like the relationships have run their course. And I could see Chicago going after Gobert, a few other, uh, with, with Vucevic and Kobe White and draft considerations. I'm sure the the Jazz would want Patrick Williams, uh, but you know, I, I actually had written uh, on the Kobe White thing as, and, and I think Jake Fisher, my colleague, separately, uh, you know, we without sharing notes, had a very similar kind of item uh, saying like Patrick Williams isn't really available, and that, that's been the buzz that I've heard as well that the Bulls are pretty much holding fast on Patrick Williams. So uh, we'll see. We've got like like you said, about a week and the draft is the busiest trading day of the year, uh, even more so than the trade deadline. And so, and then like a week later we'll have free agency. So uh, we're going to have all of these answers in, in within two weeks, we'll probably know uh, the heart of what happened in this off season, maybe two weeks in a day or two, but we'll everything, all the big things will be done. The biggest trades, the biggest, uh, the Deandre eight and stuff, all that stuff. We'll probably have some sense of where it's going. And to be clear to our audience, I didn't mean to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, belittle what uh, Eric Pincus does. <laughs> I'm just saying for me, uh, it's just it's just a lot. It's a lot to take in. Uh, what he does with figuring out the cap and who can fit where, like puzzle pieces, I think that's extremely, extremely 
um, and you know, fascinating. Uh, for me, it's just that as a basketball fan, I wish that stuff was more based on the basketball itself. But um, this time of year, obviously, is it's really, really hectic. Uh, no matter what, really, no matter what situation is, whether there's tons of like really attractive candidates in the free agent market, tons of people on the trade rumor mill, like it doesn't matter what year it is. It's it always comes around and. When you're in the moment, it's fun, but I feel like it's just that anxiety going up to it. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like, I'm not able who to follow, where it went, where, and, and it just kind of boggles <laughs> your brain a little bit, <laughs> but it's uh, a lot. No, it is. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and let me ask you this. So, um, non Intel related, but like, is there something that you think a certain team should do? Do you think there's a certain contender that needs to make this move? or a rebuilding squad that needs to do this. Um, I know that's, you know, speaking in generalizations, but like, I feel like a lot of people are saying, you know, like we just mentioned it, the Jazz need to split up Donovan and Rudy. Um, A lot of people thinking that the Suns, because of the way that they've, you know, made DeAndre Ayton's role, that they should do that. Um, You know, another one that I've seen floating around is the Hawks and John Collins, even though they made it work last year, maybe that's something different. Um, Is there anything that, that sticks out to you as, as someone, just an opinion. Right. Well, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I have opinions probably on, on 30 teams. Cause I've done the, you know, the analysis on each team on, on, on where they are, where I think they are, where they're going, where I think they should be going. Uh, like the jazz in particular, uh, I get that it's not going to be even up to Danny Ainge or, uh, Justin Zanuck. Zanuck is the GM or, and then I think Danny's the CEO. I forget his exact title. Uh, but like ownership may have no interest in rebuilding and the idea of trading away both Donovan and Rudy to me makes a ton of sense because I look at the books and I'm looking at like, they've traded away all their, almost all of their draft capital. They don't, they can't trade away any future first. Really. They have a little bit of flexibility, but minimal compared to the rest of the league, minimal flexibility. Their roster is older. Uh, their role players like Conley and, and Bogdanovich are not bad players, but they're well past what they were and, and, and what they're earning is kind of out of whack for what they do. Uh, the team has not had any strong defensive presence. Their best defender is probably Royce O'Neal, who's a nice player, uh, but he's about 28, right around there. So they, like, they don't have... like The only youth they have is Jared Butler and uh, Azubuki, and um, they also traded for Alexander Walker. But I don't think any of those players are going to bring them back something significant. Like Alexander Walker is doing extension this this summer. So you know, guys who are kind of like Kobe White, similar, who are near the end of their their first contract as a first round pick, uh, they're going into year four. That's usually almost too late to get real value for them. I wouldn't say that is entirely true, but you get less than maybe if you're trading a really good prospect with three more three years left on their contract or two when they've got one. Now it's like, it's kind of time to decide on them. And I don't know if, if the jazz can really bring in that much. So they don't have the picks. They don't have really the trade assets. So then you're like, well, to me, I'm like, I just blow it all up. They have a a first that they owe to the, uh, the thunder. uh, And there's really heavy protection on it. And to me, I'd be like, let those protections kick in, be bad for two, three years, uh, not intentionally, but like start over. It's the cycle. Uh, get as much as you can get for Mitchell, get as much as you can for Gobert. Maybe that's enough to not be terrible. Uh, but let those protections kick in for a few years and let Danny Ainge draft. I mean, he's the guy who drafted Tatum and drafted Brown and drafted Smart and all, you know, Grant Williams and like the heart of, the Celtics who are a championship team were built by Danny Ainge through the draft. So I'm like, you know, let, let that happen here. Um, but I, I don't think you can get ownership uh, to do something like that. And, and that's really, I think one of the, it's one of the things we teach at sports business classroom is that like, it's really easy to, um, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's, it, it is, it isn't hard to just tweet like, Hey, this team should trade that guy, you know, or come up with fake trades. Uh, but to understand that the politics of decision-making in, in every franchise is different and uh, some some 
GMs are essentially middle management whose job it is is to execute the vision of their uh, their leadership, which might be um, like in the Suns. It's it's really Robert Sarver who is the primary decision maker. Uh, it's Mark and Mark Cuban is is you know and, and not criticizing. I'm just saying like they're they're very active owners who really take a heavy hand in the decisions of the general managers. In the case of Utah, like they they probably have no appetite for stinking it up for two three years. Uh, it, and and I get that they just they have a new relatively new owner who probably doesn't want that. So you know I could think of you know plenty of teams that should do this that or the other thing. Uh, but out of all the teams, I don't think the Jazz will do what I'm saying. But I could see, to me, it makes a lot of sense. I just think at some point you have to accept like you probably got as far as you're going to get with this group. And while Donovan is really really talented, I'm not sure how long he's going to want to be there. Even if he recently signed an extension, I think that. I don't know if you're going to be able to get that team to where it needs to be uh, in the next few years. And Donovan's under contract till at least 2025. So that, I think that's their saving grace and why they won't really consider anything like what I'm, I'm suggesting. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And man, like I said, you and Jake have been crushing it at Bleacher Report, talking about all this, covering all this. Um, you're the capologist master. Somebody who's a part of the Sports Business Classroom. Want some more, guys? Uh, that's sportsbusinessclassroom.com. And uh, the keyword is front office in all caps. Uh, you save 300 bucks. So make sure to go to sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Eric, thanks so much for joining me here on Keeping in 94. Brian, I hope you're having a great time in Ireland and Spain, wherever you're at. Can't do any of the bickering from over there because you're not on this podcast. Eric Pinkus is, of course. Uh, my right-hand man this week, so I appreciate you for doing this. Otherwise, uh, this was Keep It In 94. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm on Twitter, at Spin Davies. He's on Twitter, at Eric Pincus. Instagram, at Spin Davies, and I'm sure that his Instagram is also at Eric Pincus. So we will talk to you another time, but until then, once again, guys, sportsbusinessclassroom.com, and of course, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com is Ticket Smarter. So make sure you go check that out. And until next episode, we'll see you.